Hi, welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast, where every mom can find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. You'll hear interviews with all kinds of moms who are learning how to navigate motherhood. Most of all, you'll learn that you have a partner in motherhood, a loving Heavenly Father who wants you to succeed and is always there to help you in your most important work as a mother. And now, here's your host, my mom, Darla Trendler. Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom Podcast. This is Darla, and this is episode 77, and I am so excited to have you here today. As always, I know I say that every week, but I'm always excited to be recording an episode. So today I have a great interview for you, and my interview is with Audra Elkington. Audra lives in North Carolina with her husband and three children, ages 13, 9, and 4, and she's a graduate of Brigham Young University with a bachelor's degree in psychology. If you were to drop in her house, you would most likely find her in her favorite pair of leggings with a book in one hand and a cookie in the other. Audra loves inspiring others through public speaking and writing, and she has been featured on several podcasts, including This is the Gospel Podcast, and has written articles for communities such as Work and Wonder and Voice of Gladness. Audra has also been a local presenter at the Time Out for Women in Raleigh, North Carolina, and other interests include baking, photography, and fitness. She's a retired group fitness instructor, And most recently, Audra hosted a retreat for Christian women in North Carolina, which allowed her to combine some of her favorite passions, unity, friendship, and developing personal relationships with the Savior. So Audra, that is a great introduction, and I am so excited to welcome you to the podcast. So thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited and a little bit nervous, actually, but thank you Uh for having me. Oh, I'm so glad that you're here because you have such a great message. We've connected on Instagram for quite a while, and um, I always love everything that you share. I'm honored that you would be here today, so thank you so much. So you live in North Carolina, and and you have three kids and your husband. So we're just going to cut to the chase and dive into this interview. And the reason that I wanted to interview Audra is because she has dealt with something in motherhood that that I think many people deal with, but it's not talked about a lot. And that is mental health challenges with with our children. And um, so I really want her to be able to share her experiences and her stories in the hopes that it will help someone else and help you know that if you're dealing with those things, that you're not alone. So your daughter's name is Lena and she's nine and she has anxiety. Tell me a little bit about that. Lena, her diagnoses, she has a few actually. So she was diagnosed with first generalized anxiety disorder, then social anxiety disorder, and with that, she has selective mutism, and she has also been diagnosed with ADHD, but we're not so sure that that was an accurate diagnosis, and she also exhibits symptoms of sensory processing disorders. So she has a lot going on in that little nine-year-old body of hers. One of the things that has that also comes along with her anxiety is she has strong aversions to most foods. And so we also deal with the nutritional deficits that she has in addition to all the anxiety things that she's got going on in her mind. So she's, she's a big ball of interesting and hard to figure out in our family, but she was not our first go around with anxiety either. My oldest child was diagnosed with generalized anxiety too. So by the time Lena came around, we had kind of, we'd been dealing with it for a few years already. So because of your experience with your older child, were there signs that you, that tipped you off right away? Or how did, how did you kind of figure out, I need to get some help for Lena? That was actually interesting because Dylan, my oldest, his anxiety was completely different from Lena's. And we had been really tuned in to his symptoms and his anxiety deals more with 
worry. So when he gets stressed out, he tends to go down the worry spiral and always goes to worst case scenario. And so his is very obvious. You can tell when he is really having a hard time. So when Lena came around, her symptoms were completely different. And I, you know, things that you probably wouldn't associate with anxiety, such as she has a really hard time controlling her urinary functions. She has, ever since she started potty training, she has had problems wetting herself and continues to do so even as a fourth grader in elementary school now. And um, she had really bad separation anxiety from the time she was able to recognize that I was leaving her with someone else. She refuses to participate in extracurricular activities. She just, there is nothing in the world that will get her to participate if she is afraid of something. She has a really hard time going to sleep at night and wakes up frequently in the middle of the night as well. She has done that from the time, I mean, she never consistently has slept through the night. So that is a lot of things that we would see these things happening, but we thought they were all separate issues. And when she was in preschool, we had her in a gymnastics class. And at the beginning of the year, the gymnastics class was just her and one other child. And she did great. She had no problems participating. She talked to the other child in the class and just loved the teachers. But about halfway through the year, they combined two of the classes and she ended up in a class with maybe about eight or nine other girls. And after about a month of Lena just standing off to the sidelines with a stone cold face, one of the teachers came over to me and just sat me down and she just kind of looked at me trying, I think she was trying to gauge where I was at emotionally. And she just really quietly said, do you think Lena has anxiety? And she said, I only asked because my youngest sister has an anxiety disorder and she acts a lot like Lena does. Do you think that's what could be going on? And it's like, as soon as she said that a light bulb went on in my head and I was like, Oh my goodness. Yes. That's totally what's going on. And it was just the most random thing, but I am so grateful to this 19 year old gymnastics coach for asking a simple question because I don't think I would have ever put it together on my own. Yeah. That's a, that's amazing how someone was right there to help you with that and kind of make that light bulb go off. So what was, after you kind of process this and you're thinking, okay, this could be anxiety. What was your next step? What did you do? My husband and I do not often agree on therapy or how to go about helping our children with anxiety. He is very much, he is pro medication and I don't have a problem with medication, but that's not my first line of defense. I don't want to automatically go there. So we just we kind of started asking around, just asking friends who have dealt with it. And everyone said, go to play therapy. She's so young. They're not going to be able to do anything else. Just go try play therapy. And so we found a play therapist where we were living. And after about 10, I think she went to 10 sessions of that. All I could see that was happening from that was that she was getting an hour of Play-Doh playtime with an adult who was giving her one-on-one attention. And so from there, we're like, okay, well, what else, what, what can they do for a four-year-old? She was four at the time, hadn't started kindergarten yet. And we were lost. We had no idea what to do. And so I just started reading 
as many books as I could get my hands on. I figure I have a psychology, I have a psychology background. I majored in that at BYU. There has to be a reason that I majored in psychology so that I can go figure out how to help my own child and not deal with anyone else because therapy is expensive. And we were a poor young family at the time. And so a lot of it, I just read books upon books upon books. And as I would find something new, I, we would go see a new therapist. So we've been to play therapy. We've been to cognitive behavioral therapy. We've been to psychiatrists. She's met with school counselors. Um, currently we now have her in food therapy and occupational therapy. So we just, you just keep trying and trying and trying until you find something that you think is actually working for your child. And it's frustrating and it takes a really long time. Yeah. It's not an easy process. I've, I've been there myself and I know, I don't know if this is your experience, but my experience was, I just was, I was resistant to therapy, not because I thought therapy was bad, but because like, I'm the mom here. Like I should know what, what to do. And for me, it was turning that off and saying, okay, Heavenly Father, I don't know what to do and guide me. And it was kind of, it was a similar experience. He put people in my path. So how did Heavenly Father help you through all of this? And where was he at in this story of helping Lena? I just, this is my favorite part of this story. Every time I get super frustrated and like wonder what our next step is, I just have to think back on this. My One of my favorite stories in the Book of Mormon for the longest time has been the story where God tells Nephi to go build a ship. And Nephi's like, uh, yeah, I don't even have tools. How do I do that? I reflected back on that a few years ago. And there's a verse in 1 Nephi chapter 18. And I think many of the listeners are going to be right in these chapters right now with where we are studying at church and come follow me. But as I was reading a couple weeks ago, I was reminded that this verse kind of started me on my whole path of figuring out how the Lord fit into this parenting aspect. And it's um, first Nephi chapter 18, verse two, and it says, now I Nephi did not work the timbers after the manner, which was learned by man. Neither did I build the ship after the manner of men, but I did build it after the manner, which the Lord had shown unto me. And when we first started dealing with this with Lena, that verse was an aha moment. Like you can read all the books you can get your hands on. You can talk to all the therapists. You can talk to other parents who have dealt with it. But ultimately the Lord sent, he sent Lena to me. He sent her to me because he knew that I was the one he could guide to help her through the struggles that she's going to have in life. And I just. I go back to that because there are so many different theories out there and there are so many people trying to tell you the best way to parent your child. But what I ultimately go back to is that the Lord's the one that's going to tell me he's going to either put someone in my path or he's going to lead me to a resource, even if it goes against the norms that everyone else is preaching. Okay. You just like summed up the whole purpose of my podcast. (laughs) Like that's the message I want to share is that exactly what Nephi's experience was. We don't have to rely on the ways of man. We can, we can go to God who knows our child better than we know them. It's his child first. Right. Right. And, and he can guide us to know 
it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing or, you know, and, and I, I'm sure in your situation, everybody's offering advice and telling you do this, do that. And, and sometimes those things can be good, but really when you get down to the heart of it, it's, it's going to the Lord and saying, what do you want me to do? Because you know, and you put, you put this child in my family for a reason. And I love that. I love that you made that connection with Nephi. Yeah. He's a good guy. <laughs> he is a good guy. Yeah. yeah. I love studying about Nephi. I really, I really love that. So, so how did, how did you have the courage to follow that and to say, okay, I'm not going to do exactly what these books say or what everybody around me is saying. I'm going to follow God. How, how did you do that? I don't know, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just one of those things that every day he gives me he puts an idea in my head and I can give, I can even tell you an example story of something that happened not too long ago that, um, you know, at church, the primary kids every year do their program and they prepare for months and months and months. And every year they, the leaders of the primary come to me and say, does Lena want to participate? And I'm like, well, let's give her the option. Chances are she's going to say no. But I, I want that to be her decision. I don't want to make that decision for her. And so she told him no, and that was fine. And the primary presidency, they all know this. They all know that she does not want to participate. But not, not all the other teachers are aware of what is going on with her situation. And so they were practicing for this program, and she was sitting in a bench in the chapel, just kind of coloring, keeping to herself while all the other kids were up on the stand. and some unknowing teacher, totally meaning well, came up and basically tried to force her to go up on the stand to participate. And she shut down. That's her selective mutism. She just goes, she goes silent. Sometimes there are tears involved, but no one doing anything in their power is going to get a reaction out of her. And so she's just sitting in the chapel, crying and crying and crying. Her primary teacher, who she had a really good relationship with, came over and was trying to bribe her with treats to just, just to get her to calm down. He didn't want her to participate. He just knows she likes mint Oreos. I'm going to offer her some mint Oreos if she'll calm down and tell me what's wrong. He couldn't get to her. So I was in the hallway talking to a friend and he came out and got me. And my other friend wanted to go in and see if maybe she could be the, the savior for Lena that day. And after about 10 minutes, she came out and got me and she said, it's not working. She does not want anything to do with anyone. So I went in and tried. She would not talk to me. She wouldn't say a word to me. She just sat there crying. And after two hours, I started to get really frustrated and gathered up the other two kids and we drove home and the whole way home, she just cried. And sometimes when she's crying, she gets very, very loud, very loud to the point that my other two children are plugging up their ears because they don't want to hear it anymore. So she's crying and I'm yelling the whole drive home because I'm just so frustrated that I can't, I can't figure out what's going on. She hadn't told me that someone tried to get her to go up on the stand yet. And we walked in the door when we got home and she's still just sobbing. She won't move. Everyone's trying to get past her to get in the house. And there wasn't even a thought in my head, but I just dropped to my knees And even though I was so angry, I just gathered her up in a hug and I started crying with her and I just hugged her and told her, I don't know why you have to go through this. 
I don't know why this is your challenge. And I'm so sorry that you have to be afraid all the time like this, but you're not alone. I'm, I'm right here. I'm fighting with you. I want you to know you're not doing this by yourself. I will help you. That experience has changed the way I look at parenting her. And it wasn't even a conscious thought that the Lord put in my head. I didn't hear a voice in my head saying, do this right now. It was just an immediate reaction and it totally diffused the situation. She was able to calm down and we had a great rest of the day. But things like that have helped me to say, okay, even in these situations where I have no clue what I'm doing and I don't have a thought in my head of even where to go, the Lord's, he's going to show up. He's going to guide me no matter what the situation is with her. I really love that, that it's comes, came, came right in the moment that you needed it to say what you needed to say. And sometimes that's all we can do is just wait for the heavenly father to give us what we, what we need in that moment. And the thing that I kept thinking when you were talking was just the word love. Like we don't have to have all the answers for our kids. We don't have to know how it's all going to turn out or why they have a certain challenge or whatever, but we can love them. And I feel like that's really what you were demonstrating from my perspective is just love. What, what have been some of the other lessons that you have learned as a mother from Lena? You know, one of the big things that I have come to realize is that it's okay to quit something that isn't working. I think, you know, we hear a lot of times, especially dealing with mental health challenges, that you have to be on medications for a long time, for the most part, in order for them to be effective. Or therapy takes a long time to see results which is true. I, that's 100% true. But also I think as mothers, we need to trust our guts. If we don't feel like something is right for our child, we're probably right. And it's okay. It's okay to quit before everyone else would say that it's okay to quit. And I've, I have had to fall on that many times in this whole journey with her. She, we've had her on medication a few times, several different types of medications. She hates taking it. She does not want to take medication. And I have had to fight back with psychiatrists and even with my husband on occasion to say, no, we need to try something else first because she doesn't want to do this. And who am I to force a pill down her throat if she really doesn't want to do that? And so That's one of the big things I've learned is not being afraid to quit. The other thing that has been really beneficial for me is writing down the small successes. I have been really big about journaling the past few years, and it has become super important for me to write down when I am seeing little inklings of the fact that maybe she's progressing a little bit. And I'm not saying she's not ever going to be cured. I think this is something she'll probably deal with for her entire life. But writing down those itty bitty successes that she has on occasion, on the days when it's really, really frustrating, I can go back to my journal and see, oh no, we've seen something. There has been improvement or she was able to work past it on this occasion. So I know that at some point in time, 
she's going to be able to do it again. I cannot stress the importance of that enough. It is for my own mental health. I need that. I need that reminder because that's what helps me to keep fighting for her. That is a great, a great takeaway to celebrate the little successes and to, and to write them down. So you remember so that you have something tangible to go back to in those hard moments to say, look, look how far we've come. I think, I think that's great advice. What other advice would you give to a mom who is dealing with similar challenges as as you have? One of the things that has been super helpful for me is to have a trusted friend. I think mental health is so tricky. It's tricky enough when you're dealing with it yourself, but when you're dealing with it with your child, we are all mama bears. We're all super sensitive when it comes to our children and we want to protect them. And even if I wasn't speaking out on this platform, I still need, I need to go talk to someone about this. I, I have one friend that she does not try to solve the problems. She doesn't try to give me advice. She just listens. And I think we all need that. No matter what our motherhood challenge is, we just need, we just need to get it out sometimes. So that's been one of my big things. The other thing is that you need to do everything you can to be in tune with the spirit, because I promise you that the spirit's going to guide you, but you need to be able to recognize it when it is guiding you. Well, I will tell you when, when you were talking about that moment, you got home from church and the word, you just knew what to say and what to do. I'm thinking that didn't just happen. Like that was preparation on your part. You had built up the spiritual reserves. You, you had come to know the savior. I, I'm sure. I mean, I don't know your life and what's going on, but you, you can't have those moments without there being some preparation and, and something, something there for the spirit to work with. Yeah. There's a quote by, I wish I had it written down, but it's from president Nelson and something along the lines of it is going to be a lot of work to be spiritually in tune. And, and I do, it is work. I work at it every single day, but I never regret the time that I spend with the Lord. And I, I know that I need it so that I am prepared to help my own child. So you've given some really great great advice to, to a mom. You know, I've heard you say, find someone that can listen for you and be there just as, as a sounding board and, and being in tune with the spirit and not trying to fix everything all the time. And I really love all of those things. What other spiritual experiences could you share that have been a part of this journey with Lena? Mental health is so tricky. It's so hard. And there's no two cases that are exactly alike. And so even the most seasoned therapist or seasoned psychiatrist, they don't know your exact child situation. And that makes it really, really hard to find ways to help if, because there is no, there's no pattern to follow. And one of the things that I have really had to work hard at, but that has been super beneficial to me is to let go of this idea of who I wanted my children to be, especially Lena. I had huge dreams of being a dance mom. I just, that I loved dancing and gymnastics and cheerleading growing up. And I just so badly wanted a daughter that I could do that with, that I could have that same interest. And I wanted to spend my weekends at 
the auditorium watching dance performances, but I've had to let go. That is not, that's not her, that she does not like attention. She doesn't like people looking at her. That's disaster for her to have, to have the spotlight on her. And so I have had to really look outside the box and to find things for her to be able to do that don't trigger her. Because, you know, I think about the fact that Heavenly Father, he created this earth for us. He created the things on this earth for us to enjoy. He wants us to have an enjoyable life. My child cannot have an enjoyable life if she's terrified all the time. And so we have gotten really good at finding activities that allow her to feel successful and to be creative and to enjoy her life but that don't trigger that anxiety in her. So one of the things that we came to this past summer that she was actually open to was trying piano lessons. And we got her in with a teacher who is aware of her struggles. We were promised that she will never be forced to participate in a recital. Her teacher at lessons, if one of the things with Lena's anxiety is that she also struggles with perfectionism. And so if she feels like she's going to fail at something or that she can't do it, she, that also will cause her to shut down. And so her piano teacher has gotten really good at noticing that she's maybe pushed a little bit too far and Lena's done and she'll just say, okay, we're done for today. But the amazing thing that's happened is that she's gotten really good at piano in a really short amount of time. And so She's able to see that success. She's recognized for it by her teacher, but then she comes home and she also has an outlet for when she's feeling really stressed out. She can just sit down and practice. And that has been gold for us this year because we've been so upset that she just doesn't have anything fun that she participates in. But I feel like we finally found something. The other thing is that she's really good at, she loves art and writing. And she has written a book series and her book series, the interesting things that has come out of that is that each book focuses on a theme, which those themes have now given me clues to things that are going on in her mind. So one of her books is about dogs. She's terrified of dogs. Just, she cannot see a dog without physically shaking and crying. And this book talks all about how she wants a puppy. And to me, that clues me in as her mom, like she doesn't want to be afraid of dogs. So now we're going, okay, so how do we work this? Because she wants, she wants to like these dogs. She wants to have a cute little puppy in her house. So it's just been interesting that the things that she is gravitating towards and that are helping her are also cluing us in as her parents how to maybe move forward with the next step. I think, I think that's really wise. You just hit on a little nugget right there that I love because I think having a child that deals with anxiety can be very frustrating. It can be like, why can't you just change? Or, you know, I mean, I've had moments like that where like, why are you like this? Oh, yeah. and it can be so frustrating because you just, you know, just, do what everybody else is doing or whatever. And I I've been there, but, but what you're saying is that you can, when you really can take a step back and look at and see those things 
that they are expressing and, you know, what is working for them and what is not working for them. You just got to take a step back and put that frustration aside and really see them as a person, as an individual, which is such a parallel to how Heavenly Father parents, he sees us as individuals. And, you know, the natural tendency is to be frustrated. And I, I mean, I've been there. I know exactly what that feels like. But, but you just hit on something that I, you know, you just made me think of it in a different way that when we can look into them and, and to what they, who they truly are and why they're doing what they're doing, it opens up and it, it helps you to love better. I, I love that she's writing and that, that gives you that way to kind of know what's going on in her mind and what's making her tick and how, you know, how can I help her and how, you know, how can we move, move on? Does that make any sense? That was just like... Yeah, it does. Popped up from my mind. Yeah. Oh, no. There have been days where I'm like, don't you want to write another book again? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. I don't know what's going on in your little head right now. So let's just write it out and then maybe I'll get some clues. (laughs) Exactly. And, And then the other thing is, you know, thinking about your experience with finding this piano teacher. And I'm sure, I mean, I can tell from what you've said that you've had a lot of trial and error. Like you've probably tried yeah. a million things that haven't worked, not a million, but you've a tried lot. things that haven't worked. And then you, you know, you find this one thing. So how do you advocate for her? Like, you know, what did you say to her piano teacher or to her primary teacher or her school teacher to help advocate for her, but not label her, you know? Yes. That is a huge struggle because, yeah. and I, I struggle with that. You know, I struggle with it at the beginning of every school year. I struggle with it when she switches primary classes at the beginning of the year, because you're right. You don't want people to label them because you want them to have an opportunity to see your child's real personality and who they are. And sometimes they surprise you and, you know, maybe they won't deal with these issues in that situation. And I honestly, I am so prayerful about that every time she has to enter a new situation and it's a case by case basis with her piano teacher. I honestly, I just said, sometimes she struggles with feeling like she doesn't know how to do things. And if she doesn't think she's going to be good at it, she might freeze up on you. And that's all I said. I didn't, you know, I didn't go into any of her diagnoses or anything like that. And her piano teacher, I'm sure the Lord's hand was in that, but she just seems to know, okay, I've pressed her too hard. That's all I need to do. So it really didn't take a whole lot of me saying anything in that situation. Um, But I'm always super prayerful before I send an email to a teacher. There have been some years that I have sent them. And then there have been other years that I just leave it go. And I say, we're just going to see how this, how it pans out right now. Yeah, that's such an important reminder that the spirit can help us to know how to advocate and how to be there for our child and how to you know, help them navigate things. Um, I, I love that you're following the spirit and it's not the same in every situation. That That is a really good good reminder and a really good example of, of what to do. Well, I have loved talking to you, Audra, and thank you so much for being willing to, to talk about Lena. And I know that you got her permission to, to share part of her story. And I think that it will bring hope to someone out there that is struggling. I hope so, because... it's a lonely journey when people don't talk about it. Yeah. I really, I really believe that we need to talk about it more and we need to know 
but it is hard. It is hard when you, you, your child needs privacy and you don't want to label them and you know, all of that. It, it makes it really tricky, but we can find ways to share and be there for each other. And just to know that we're not alone. Sometimes that's all we need just to know, okay, we're not alone. And if that mom can navigate it and she can follow the spirit, then I can too. And I really think that you're giving that hope to someone else. I hope so. I hope so. Thank you so much. Well, I have one final question for you. And that is how have you seen and felt your heavenly parents as your partners in motherhood? I, you know, looking back, I can very clearly see that they have been setting me up to trust them for a really, really long time. Long, long before I became a mother, I, at a really young age, um, they put the idea in my head of where I should go to school when I was in college. And then after that, I was led to major in psychology. I was in school for seven years. It took me seven years to graduate from college. Um, And at some point during that journey, there was just a voice in my head that said, go major in psychology. I don't know why it just was there. And then along the way, I was given experiences with a lot of other people that deal with mental health issues. I lived with really difficult roommates because Lena can be really difficult to live with sometimes. And then one of the key things has been that Lena was sent to our family during a really, really difficult time in our lives. And right after she was born, she was given a blessing at church. You know, we do the baby blessings. And my husband, one of the things that was said in her baby blessing was that um, she would have a really close relationship with me and with her grandmas. And I think about that all the time because it has given me the strength and the emotional capacity to really cherish her in situations when other people are really struggling to even like her. And it's just been like that every step of the way I can see that they were building my trust so that when the time comes, I'm able to just let go and say, you've got this. Tell me what, tell me what needs to happen right now. And so now I'm at the point when an idea pops in my head, I know that it's not random. I know that that was placed in my mind for a reason. And I know that I am being taught how to parent her in that exact moment. That's a really good thought because I think we, sometimes we think of that generally like, oh, we know how to parent our kid, but really sometimes it's moment to moment. We need something right then. I love, I love everything that you've shared and how the Lord has prepared you and guided you and your testimony of him. Audra, thank you so much for being here today and for sharing this, your experiences with Lena and thank her as well from, from me for being willing to let you talk about these things. I know that it will help someone else. I will. Thank you so much. I know you have a million things to do, and I'm grateful you took the time to listen to today's podcast. I hope the episode helped you to know God is your partner in motherhood. For show notes, head over to spirituallymindedmom.com. For more motherhood inspiration, follow along on Instagram, at spirituallymindedmom. And if you enjoyed the podcast, share it with a friend. I would love it if you would leave a review and rate it on iTunes. This helps more moms to find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. Have an amazing day, and remember, you are doing God's work, and you are doing it wonderfully well.